This is the Colonel Rad Alert. Civil defense information will be broadcast at 640. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Y2K. How can we prepare? Stop a few of their machines and radios. Throw them into darkness for a few hours. We are fighting for our lives. My family must survive. Boom for five years. Thousand gallons of gas. Air filtration. Water filtration. Coming at you from the frozen tundra that is East Central Alberta, Canada. Streaming live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Rumble, and Odyssey. Welcome back to the workshop where we create community, find freedom, promote preparedness, and share success. I am Toolman Tim, and today is November the 26th, 2023, and this is episode 402 of Workshop Radio. How the hell is everyone out there this fine Sunday evening? We got a touch of that white stuff that fell from the sky this morning, just enough to make the roads greasy. And if my math is correct, one month from today, the Christmas holiday will be all behind us once again. This will be Boxing Day. Yeah, 26th of December, we will be there. So tonight I want to open with a new segment. I'm going to work our way through a few things. Tonight I want to call, we're going to call it Words to Live By. I have this list on my phone over the last few years I've been putting it together. And they're just rules that I live by. You can agree with them. You can disagree with them. You just don't call me late for dinner. That's all. But these are, so anyway, I've got 34 of them. I'm going to throw one before a random episode every so often, share with you things that have worked well for me in life. And yeah, you guys can, again, tell me if I'm wrong, throw me out, throw the baby out with the bathwater, doesn't matter. So for this one, simply put, every hour of work before eight in the morning is worth three hours later on. Now you'll say, but I'm not a morning person. Yeah, I'm, I mean, do I get up? Sure. Do I get up earlier than Becky most days? Yeah. If I had my choice, I'd probably sleep in a little bit. But what I have found over the years is if I want to get something done, really important, especially things I don't want to do in particular, I will do them first thing in the morning. And if I can get up early and get it done before the world gets busy, all the more power to me. I'm telling you, for me, the the secret to getting shit done on a regular basis is getting it done before everybody else starts. And some people say, well, that doesn't work for me. That's cool. I'm good with that. But for me, if I've got something that I need to get done today or well, not today, but tomorrow, you know, my, my old ass drags myself out of bed at six or six 30 and I get that done. That same thing would take me two or three times as long when the phone starts ringing and when people start talking. So For me, the easiest way to get something really important done is to do it when I have 100% of my focus first thing in the day before anyone else can start rattling my chain or banging a gong next to me saying, hey, could you go here, do this, do that, doesn't matter. Whatever it happens to be, could be tenant from a rental calling and said, hey, the water, the water's leaking or doesn't matter. And when it was the handyman business, it could have been somebody calling about that or an email, whatever. First thing in the morning for me, every hour before eight in the morning is worth two to three hours later on in the day. All right, let's get the announcements out of the way. Number one, it's Sunday evening, so we cannot forget our sponsor, and that is Amy Dingman of A Farmer's Kind of Life. She has the Farmer's Kind of Life podcast, the Farmer's Kind of Life papers. So if you're looking to give kind of an old-fashioned gift this Christmas, I say old-fashioned, you know, a paper-to-pen type gift, she has the Farmer's Papers, which is an actual printed 
physical newsletter that she sends out every month that has uh, interesting articles that she writes herself, recipes, and the whole works. It's, it kind of reminds me of uh, my high school days when I used to subscribe to magazines, and I would wait every single month to get those magazines, and they'd come in the mail with that little printed label on the bottom, and it was always kind of the highlight of my week. So if you're looking for something like that, go buy a farmerskindolife.com and uh, give Amy some support. And then speaking of support, we've got the Black Friday deal still on, guys, so don't forget. First off, the battery packs. If you were looking at one of these or a few of these for emergency kits for family members for Christmas, these SOS charge cards from Batrix, they've got the workshop logo on them. The normal 25, I got them on for $19.99. And if you buy three, you get the fourth one free. The link's in the description tonight. And don't forget, if you're thinking about subscribing to the Patch of the Month Club, this is the one time of the year that is definitely the time to grab a hold of it. 12 free patches. So if you subscribe for the yearly uh, updated billing every single year, you'll get the last year's 12 patches. We got some of the leftover ones. You didn't get them uh, like everybody else did when they came out in the mail. You didn't get a surprise. So it's not like there'll be a surprise which ones you get. But if you're looking to be a completist and fill your collection, that's the way to go. All right. So this evening, I hope everybody's having a good day. I've seen uh, Jeremy in here one step closer. I see Byron Roberts in here. Like I said, we had a bit of that, uh, you know, jolly white stuff for the first time. Not the first time. We had a little bit in October, but this was the very first actual snowfall we had in November. And it reminded me of uh, some preps I needed to get done on the vehicle, <laughs> but we'll work through those as we go along. But first off, I've got a... Um, a quick smattering of stranger than fiction segments for you. And for those who are new, happen to be catching this for the first time, that's where I grab interesting articles that I think would be of benefit to share with the community. Now, you guys know that the last thing I love to do is absolutely focus on the news all the time. But I, I do. Most every morning, I open up Google News and, and skim through the the articles and that sort of thing. And I love to share the things that kind of catch my eye, things that maybe are important. Because I've always been a believer that if something really important happens, somebody's going to tell me about it. So hopefully, I am uh, the person telling you about these few things. And Jeff said uh, over in Winnipeg, they received a light snow dusting last night as well. <laughs> Angie Marie got her first bit of snow as well. Looks like it hit all of us last night. But as, as my daughter and I drove north this morning to volleyball, we ended up driving out of it. But coming back, the vehicles had blown the snow off the road, but they turned what snow had been on the road to a very fine sheet of ice. So four-wheel drive it was. I was very thankful for that. So let me share with you guys. Hang on just a second here. There we are. All right. So I don't know if you guys caught this story this week or not, but the USDA's new plant zone map they basically shifted, let's see if we can find the numbers here, but a significant portion of, now, here's the thing. If you've lived in your local area for any length of time, you probably have a good understanding of what your microclimate already is. And if you do, great. But if you weren't really aware of this, or if this was something that some folks out there are just like, I didn't know there was a plant hardiness or a grow zone or whatever it happens to be, these are basically... I believe it's 10 degree increments where you see the different colors across the continent. And that typically represents the coldest temperature that that segment of the population will see throughout the year. 
And so they move things around. And of course, everybody's favorite thing would be, oh, you know where they're going to go with this and say, oh, it's because of climate change. It's because of whatever. No, honestly, it's not. They, If you go down toward the bottom, it basically talks about how most of this was adopted through closer pay, paying attention to the numbers following the, the Jeff Stark says, I love the tailored ads for Tim. Yeah. Yeah. Always. Yeah. You guys will get to see some of this for sure. And let's see if we can get down just a little bit further, but basically they noticed that there was a certain percentage of zones that were getting slightly higher temperatures. So they split the difference. I believe it was about a five degree difference and they split half of them to a two and a half degree difference. If that makes sense. Yeah, here it is right here. Half of the U S has shifted to warmer plant zones. So it may affect you, but truth be told, that's just like, you know, when, when we do the uh, time change at the end, uh, the end of the year, it really doesn't actually change anything. It's just something that's been changed on paper. So yeah, there's that. We'll go a little bit further down. They said uh, Omaha has seen slightly warmer temperatures the last little while and on and on it goes. So if it's something you want to look up, I can throw the links at the end. But basically the idea is, is that a significant portion of the growing zones in North America have shifted ever so slightly. So especially if you're looking to move, it pays attention, you know, if you're looking to get out of Dodge or get, get out of California, get out of New York, maybe head to Florida or Tennessee for perhaps, this would be something to pay attention to for sure. And uh, this kind of thing for most people, the map's a guideline, not a guarantee. They said plants can thrive in several zones. However, you want to consider other factors like summer temps and the map doesn't reflect nuances, which we all know. But toward the bottom, I was actually, here you go. The USDA said the shift to warmer zones is not necessarily reflective of global global climate change because several factors contributed to the changes. And this is what I wanted to end up. Um, you know what? I'm going to, we got a stroke over on Twitch. I'm going to answer your question here in just a minute. And basically, uh, the USDA used data from 91 to 2020 and chose the coldest night of the year. We only have 30 numbers that we're averaging together. That's why it's important to look at decades of data. Makes sense. So basically, they've been running these numbers since 91. So the longer they look at them, the more accurate the averages are going to get. So I thought that was kind of cool because almost always, whenever you see these these kind of stories, the news has to tack on because climate change or whatever it is. And I appreciated that they were open and honest in this about how they came to the numbers and why they move things around. So Byron himself here said they moved from zone six to zone six B. And I don't know how to pronounce this. I'm going to try, but over on Twitch, we have a Stroop, Stroop check 22. I don't know if that's the right name, but wants to know what, what I am prepping for the most for me, it's not some crazy kind of collapse or anything like that. For me, it's the most common things. It could be, well, I'm, for the longest time, it was a job loss and now we have our own business. So it's, you know, saving money to make sure we have our life taken care of as we get older. It's about keeping food on hand so that if there's no food in the grocery stores, we can take care of it. It's about hopefully getting myself in better shape so that long-term my physical preps will be taken care of. It's about keeping a little bit of extra gas on hand so that I can pull a generator out and we have backup power so I can make coffee or the house can be warm. It's about looking after the things that are most likely to happen in your area and then working from there. If some, what I find a lot of people come to prepping from is I always joke because, you know, I'm an old Gen Xer and I love to talk about 
uh, Y2K, for instance. But a lot of people come to the idea of prepping because they're scared of something, whatever that thing happens to be. And it could be, you know, a couple of months ago, it was the, the fact that they were doing the testing of the new emergency broadcasting system whatever it happened to be. So somebody gets scared, they get worked up and they think, oh, I got to fix everything. I got to go. I got to buy a whole home generator and a whole bunch of food and a whole bunch. I need every, no, you don't. But what I do like is the fact that somebody comes to you and says, Hey, I'm scared about this thing. Can we talk about it? Sure we can. And then hopefully I'm able to talk them down a little bit and say, you know what prepping's really about? It's about making your life better. Whether there is nothing, whether things go wrong or they don't. And that's what I want people to realize is you look at a TV show like the old doomsday preppers, for instance, and that made, there were some interesting, rather eccentric people on there. And that's hopefully not what people are um, looking for. And so when it comes down to it, honestly, it's about, you know, putting a little extra money in your pocket. It's about having a little extra food on the shelf at home. It's about having a full tank of gas every time you go out of town. It's about having an emergency kit in your vehicle. It's just about being a prepared individual because a prepared individual can look after their family and they can look after their neighbors if need be. And uh, uh, Stoop said, uh, nothing wrong with being prepared in general. Good luck with that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I hope I do my best to make sure that people know or you know, I try to share the gospel of preparedness and, and that's the type of thing. Look at what is most likely to happen in your local area and go from there. You know, if, if extreme cold happens to be the thing that is, you know, the biggest threat in your area, then maybe some more insulation in the home and having some backup ways to heat that sort of thing. If it's a, uh, a hurricane, maybe it's, you know, backing up all of your emergency documentation, having a route plan to get out of town, maybe having a storm shelter, that kind of thing. Just so you can look after you and yours in case your personal shit goes sideways. That's all it is. So, like I said, stranger than fiction. First one we had to deal with tonight was the USDA map, switching things around a little bit. The next one is a little sweeter story. So Becky came home the other day with two bagfuls of brown sugar from the grocery store. And it was something I wasn't familiar with. Apparently, there's a bit of a sugar shortage in Canada. Now, that doesn't mean we already have a significant amount of sugar packed up in five-gallon buckets. So there's that. But I didn't realize that there was a bit of a sugar shortage. And when she was at Walmart, the shelves for regular plain white sugar were absolutely bare. Now, it right at the moment, it doesn't have to do with anything crazy or insane. Well, I guess it depends on what your definition of crazy or insane happens to be, but it happens to be a disagreement with a sugar factory in Vancouver or British Columbia and their union. So they have a huge fight. They're either locked out or they're striking. I'm not sure which one it is. They can't seem to get to the bottom. It's been a couple, it's been a handful of months, I believe, at the moment, and the supply chain here in Western Canada is starting to feel the pinch. Hey, Garden Girl 84, good to see you. Said, I saw someone post about sugar shortage, sugar shortage in the States as well. So here's the thing that I noticed in the last couple of days. On top of our regional sugar shortage, and it's kind of funny that this happened to happen because I was just down through, shoot, I can't think of the name of the town right at the moment, but they had what looked like a mile long pile 
of sugar beets. It was down at the sugar factory. And so they, they I imagine they've been trying to ramp up production the best they can to keep up with it. <laughs> Chris Dixon says, BC does the best to F the rest of us over. I do not disagree, my friend. And uh, yeah, so heading south of here by about four hours, there's a sugar factory and I've never seen it this active at the moment. So maybe they're trying to pick up the slack. But anyway, on top of our sugar shortage here, the regional one, it turns out that some of the more foreign countries where sugar is, you know, massively produced had some really shitty weather due to El Nino or what, what have you. And so it looks like in three to four months, we're going to have some more shortages or at least some pressure on the sugar market. So just something to keep an eye out. If you have a chance to buy a little bit of sugar and it doesn't set you back to spend money on it, or if you have a good little stockpile of sugar already, maybe think about not dipping into it as much as you have to just to shear up. Now, for the most of us, you know, a 50-pound bucket of sugar would last a long time. But some of the local, uh, I've seen this here, some of the, the bakeries are starting to feel the pinch. I think the main thing I wanted to highlight in here, <laughs> this lady, she uses 320 kilograms of sugar a month. So that's uh, that's around eight. 700 800 pounds of sugar a month and right here so they used to pay 24 to 28 dollars a bag and now they're paying 50 to 62 so we're looking at two to two and a half time increase in that and this is a staple i mean it doesn't get much more staple than salt sugar and flour when one of these three things starts to see a huge price increase it just happens to be something to pay attention to not something to be scared of just something that I felt was the need to bring it forth and share it with you guys. And I also heard that the same area was affected that they do cocoa in as well. So sugar and cocoa might be, uh, we might be seeing a bit of a rise in prices a few months down the road if the market doesn't kind of self-regulate at that point. So there you go. So it's Roger Sugar out of, uh, I believe, Vancouver. Oh, no, let's see. The Toronto Refinery is owned by Redpath Sugar, while the Vancouver and Montreal refineries are owned by Rogers. Either way, shortage of workers who they're on strike or being locked out. And so we're feeling the pinch right at Christmas time, which is the time of year when the most sugar is sold. How about this one? Anybody hear about this? This story has been all over the news lately. Nice picture of a boat. Not really sure what it's for, but... Uh, there was a plan for the last two or three years, this one company was going to do a three-year-long cruise. They were taking large deposits, something in the neighborhood of $100,000 from people, so that they could basically spend the next three years living on a boat and traveling all across the world. Uh, when I read through the article, let's see if we can find it here. Here we go. So they had promised passengers that they would travel to 382 ports in 140 countries for the span of three years. Now that sounds kind of cool. Here's the deal. People sold their homes, they gave up their rental properties, whatever it happened to be, and they gave massive deposits to go live on this boat. The problem is people are gonna do what people do, and I don't know if anybody happened to catch this, but basically uh, there's people who are at the port ready to get on this boat, and they canceled the entire voyage a week beforehand. Now, here's the thing. If that's all there was to the story, there's not much you can do about it. Hey, Donald Young, my brother from another mother. It's actually a very dapper photo. Thank you, brother, for the super chat. I, nice to see you in here. 
So, so anyway, a week before they were ready to launch, they canceled the entire trip. Now, they had been stringing them along for about a month now, saying, hey, we need to move things along a little longer, a little longer, a little longer. And people still showed up to port and ready to head out and live with no backup plan. Now, I get it. You know, you when a move is a big thing and you're going to go live on a boat for three years, I, I mean, if that was what you're into, I think that would be kind of fun. But they had promised health care and gym memberships, everything on this. And basically, they couldn't find a boat that they wanted to retrofit. Here's the, the classic word, facing challenges because of investor withdrawals. So they now said, we are going to return your deposits in installments. This doesn't sound good, guys. And the main reason I wanted to, I guess, share this was I could not imagine. <laughs> Dixon says, same company as the Titanic Expedition. Oh, boy. I don't know. Oh, we'll leave that one alone, I guess. But it, oh, it's bad, guys. So <laughs> Chris Dixon says, too soon. Yeah, whatever. So basically, these people have spent massive deposits and hopefully they get their money back. But the worst part is all these people show up to disembark on a boat and surprise, it's not available to them. Now, the crazy thing is there. Yeah, that's exactly it. Garden Girl said it sounded too good to be true. And I agree completely. The entire story, I should slide down here and see if I can. Uh, so here it is. Life at Sea is promising customers repayment for the minimum, minimum of $115,000 per person package saying that monthly refund installments uh, will begin mid-December. I just, there was just so much involved in this that, oh, just every so often. Okay. Now the other night, Becky says to me, we've been looking for tickets for Taylor Swift. We'd love to buy some. And she said, Hey, there's this post in the Edmonton buy and sell for tickets. And we both read it and we said, the first thing I always do is we look at the profile of the person. Does it look like a legit person? Yes, it did. It absolutely did. Read the entire thing over two or three times. Everything seemed legit, but it just didn't quite pass the smell test. So we left it be. Turned out it was a scam, of course, which we kind of thought it was going to be. But that's what you have to do. You, When there's something you want to spend a lot of money on and possibly involve long-term life decisions on them, you need to take everything with a grain of salt. And these folks, I don't know, it just feels like they were being taken for a ride on this entire project. But I just, I feel bad for the people who showed up. What do you do? You're out six figures. You're waiting on a pier to live on a boat that no longer exists. You've sold your home or your rental. I don't know. Midwest Preparedness Project. Great to see you. How's it going this evening? Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you did too. Like I said, I spent Canadian Thanksgiving in the U.S. and U.S. Thanksgiving in Canada. All right. What's our next story we had to fly through this evening? And this one, I I shared this story. And I don't know if anybody saw that. Oh, I'm sure you did. But I shared this story in the Telegram group because something right from the minute they started talking about it, again, didn't quite pass the smell test. And so I shared it with everybody in the Telegram group. And I said, what is your thoughts on this? Because if you didn't see the story, there was a crash, a car crash at the border crossing in um, basically at, I think it was Niagara Falls. Where was it here? Yeah. Anyway, the Rainbow Bridge in on the New York side of the Canadian-US border. And it was initially 
reported as an explosion at the border. That's what they said. This is what it was. Explosion at the border, terrorism suspected. Those five or six words were very quickly turned into something that it wasn't. And for hours afterwards, the, the headline continued to read, terrorism suspected, treating it like it was terrorism, explosion at the border. And so I, I but the thing was, they said there were two people in the vehicle. And I thought, that does not seem right. That doesn't seem to be the MO of somebody who would normally go to the border and blow something up. And so, again, it's the sniff test. We need to trust your intuition when you read these stories and, and, and question things. And the best advice I got from someone in the Telegram group, and I don't remember who it was, was give it 24 hours. Anytime there's a story like this, give it 24 hours to see where it plays out because the initial reporting on almost anything like this tends to not be accurate. The problem is, is that sometimes we have less than 24 hours to make a decision on something. That's the downside to this. So trusting your instinct and saying, does this seem legit or does this seem like something that wasn't quite right? So I did a little more digging because I, I personally said I thought it was some sort of domestic violence issue. Turned out it wasn't quite that. It, it sounds like it was a medical emergency. It was an old couple who were going to go to the KISS concert. The KISS concert turned out to be canceled because one of the members had the flu. And it also sounds like him and his wife are like, well, let's make an evening of it. They went to the casino. There may or may not have been drinking involved. That part, I don't know. And it sounds like he had some sort of medical issue at the wheel. And I went on Twitter of all places and found footage of this vehicle come flying in and crashing. And I thought, boy, that definitely sounds like something um, accidental. It didn't look right. It didn't look like it was intentional the way it happened. It's insane footage if you can find it. So yeah, the car, the problem I had with this entire thing is that you never report if that happened anywhere else a vehicle come flying in and crashes into something, it would be instantly reported as a car crash. But instead, it was reported as an explosion, not even as a car crash that exploded. And that's what pissed me off, I guess. So again, right here, Chris Dixon says, mainstream media, you don't have to be right. You just have to be first. Yes. And even if you're first, you do not have to issue a retraction afterwards, you just change the story and the algorithm just kind of moves along with it. So anyway, this was a good exercise this week in looking at how to critically analyze an unfolding news story. And that's why I shared it in the Telegram group was because to me, again, I keep going back to this idea of the smell test. Something didn't seem right about it and the way it was being reported I didn't agree with it or it didn't didn't feel right. So I thought, hey, let's share it. Let's see. Let's make some speculation and see who ends up being right. And again, most times it's overreported at the beginning. And then oh, let's just dribble in what happens after the fact. So, yeah, those were the four main stories that I wanted to share with you guys. I believe, yep, those are the four I had under the Stranger Than Fiction section this week. I thought we... I kind of, I entitled tonight's episode, uh, this week in prepping. And, uh, it reminded me of uh, a few different things, but when I was a kid, I used to watch the, uh, the show Quib this week in baseball. Do you guys remember that? 
probably not, but it was, it was like a radio show, but it was on TV, of course. And then years later, Leo Laporte, one of my favorite tech guys, he left tech TV or got fired or something. He ended up starting an early podcast and, and then a video podcast called This Week in Tech. So I may end up kind of bringing this up every couple of weeks where we go through the stuff that I'm doing in prepping, some lessons I've learned, and some of the new stories that kind of some of the news stories that are important to us kind of filter through all the other bullshit, ignore everything else and just talk about a few things that maybe we should be aware of. Midwest preparedness says it used to be trust, but verify that no longer applies. We live in a disinformation age now. And that, uh, that definitely rings true for both sides of the platform that, uh, you know, the right wing of the bird and the left wing of the bird, the blue and the red, and it kind of sucks. So again, I mean, I would say verify then trust. I would say verify without trust would be an even better instance for some of these stories. So there we're at. I wanted to share with you guys a little more of my thoughts on freeze drying as well. And uh, let's, let's close out for now. Bring this back. Here we are. So this has been my first full week of freeze drying. And uh, that's really good. Midwest preparedness is both wings are attached to the same bird, a vulture. Yes. Can you see it circling? So I've had one full week with the freeze dryer at this point. And I wanted to share some of my initial thoughts, some of the things I've done to screw things up and uh, hopefully maybe encourage you guys a little bit, but I've been going balls to the wall for the last seven days. The first thing I did was I had to install a dedicated 20 amp circuit, which you may have heard me and Becky talk about the other night when we were, <laughs> Yozik wants to know if I blew it up yet. No, but that pump gets really warm. I'm quite, um, I'm not worried about it per se. I was just quite hmm, surprised by how warm it gets. I've got lots of room around it for air to circulate. I might put a little fan. I've heard of some people like that. So uh, Chris Dixon says both wings turn the same nut. Yep. Wing nuts. There you go. But I've had a hell of a time with this. And so I'm going to share my thoughts. If anybody out there is like, whoa, Tim, you're way off your rocker with this one. That's okay. I'm still learning. So <laughs> share share your thoughts too. Yozik is a uh, an expert at candy and many other things with the freeze dryer at this point. But so we got the medium freeze dryer that has five trays in it. I'm, I'm really impressed with it. I, I wish, I almost wish... Well, no, I don't wish, but of course you get one and you're like, oh, I would have went a little bit bigger. It is what it is. Um, Yozik says he runs a box fan on low blowing on the pump in the unit. I think I may implement something like that. I believe I'm, I need it because it does get a little bit on the warm side. So the first batch I did was the bread. Like they said, you, you put the bread through, you just run it and it basically turns it to like Melba toast. And the idea is that it'll pull any odors from the pack, packaging, that sort of thing out of it. Chris Dixon says a freeze dryer hashtag must be nice. Son of a bitch. It is nice. <laughs> I am working my ass off to put as much food by as I can. And I'm quite excited about it. Garden girl says the kids will love and you will love to the candies. Once you do them, I actually got, if you're listening, Olivia, that's my oldest daughter in Edmonton sent me a message the other night and said, dad, make sure you freeze dry me some Skittles. And I basically told her that uh, I've got a lot of meat to freeze dry first, but I'm working on it. So <laughs> the first thing I would tell people with a freeze dryer is don't get too stressed out. Beforehand, before I got the box, before I got anything 
before it landed here, before I opened anything up, it almost seemed like a foreign concept. It, it seemed like, I don't know, you know, you know, in uh, Wizard of Oz, when they finally get to see behind the curtain or whatever, that's kind of the way it is. You, you just see the outer workings or you hear about it and you think, wow, I, that seems so foreign to me. And then all of a sudden you hook it all up and you're like, really, that's all there is to it. You put a little oil in the pump, you hook up one, two hoses, you close a valve, you plug it in and that's it. it it's not that bad to be honest. So don't get too stressed out because you might be excited about it. I was excited about it, but I was, I was nervous. I was legitimately thinking this is going to be a super complicated process. And I would say once you get the system down, it's way less work than your canning. Let's put it that way. It, yeah, this, so garden girl says it's so simple, but it's, yes, this is sums it up perfectly. Garden girl, uh, it's five stars for this evening. It's the best comment. It's so simple, but it seems so overwhelming before you get it. As soon as you open it up and you start using it, you're like, really? That's all there is to it? it there's just so little that you have to do. There's a few things. It, it's hard to frig it up. You know, if, if it's not dry enough, you run it for longer. Other than that, that's really all there is to it. And being patient, I want you know, I want to run. I've got, I'll tell you all about it here in a bit, but... Um, Paul Revere says, um, what is the hardest lesson you've learned so far working with your freeze dryer? I'll get to that and I'll share that along, along the way, because there is definitely, there, there's a learning curve. Here I am. I told you, this is my first week. This is why I'm going to share some of this stuff with you. So first off, don't get too stressed out because as soon as you open that box up and you set it on the shelf and you realize, okay, one hose connection here, hose connection to the pump, you put the oil in the pump. And you make sure you close the pressure valve, I believe is what it is. And that's it. You put your food in. Um, I would say the best piece of advice so far that anybody's given me, and I've realized real quick, is to pre-freeze everything. It speeds up the process immensely. Right now, I am running five quarts of heavy cream in there. And I wasn't able to pre-freeze it because of my scheduling and things like that. And I didn't really have a safe setup to put it in the freezer and make sure it didn't spill. <laughs> so what I did was I put all the trays in, I pulled them out just a little bit and I dumped the cream in and one large or one medium tray for a medium freeze dryer holds exactly a quart of heavy cream. So anyway, but it is going to take me two and a half days, I think, when it's all said and done. So you have to be patient. But pre-freezing absolutely everything is a must. It will save you a ton of time and a ton of wear and tear on your machine. Yozik says, uh, cover your cheese in the freeze dryer or you'll have a mess to clean up. Thank you, brother. I did not know that. Uh, Garden Girl says, raw eggs are great. Okay. Something else. Don't panic. I already said that, but this is a little different. Don't panic. So I messaged Nate one night, the, the, the very first night I had fruit in there. And I looked at, I think it's the MT rating. I think it's the, the negative pressure or the vacuum pressure that's in there. And mine was significantly above 500 at the time. And I read one article on the internet that said, if it, if it doesn't go below 500, then your machine's broken and you need to call support and all of this. Well, it turns out that it gradually works its way down there. But I was like five hours into my first 
freeze drying session. And I thought, oh, I've got a dud or so I was panicking again, of course, right? So just let it run its course. Turn it on. If everything's running and working properly and you have a vacuum, just let it run. And then eventually it gets down. Mine gets down into the 400s. But it's one of those things. Don't panic. So that pressure rating at 500, it doesn't necessarily start there, but it works its way below it. Like I said, best piece of advice so far, I think, is probably freeze stuff before putting it in. The heavy cream right now is taking the longest of any batch I've done because it was the first non-frozen stuff I put in. I did order a second batch of trays so that I can pre-freeze things like that. I, I bought five extra trays and little spacers so that you can stack them in your freezer. So we're going to try that out so that I can have things ready and just slide them in. I have, here's my biggest problem right at the moment. I've been buying discounted meat as I can find it. So each time I have to go to Lloyd in the morning to assemble stuff at the daycare, I go up and I get deals on things. I happened to take my daughter out of town this morning for volleyball practice. And I got a whole bunch of cheese filled sausages for 75% off. They're, they're great. I love them. They're probably not great for you, but I love them. So I bought 11 packages of them. Becky chopped them all up into, you know, silver dollar size, probably three quarters of an inch thick. And we're going to freeze dry all of those. So the problem I have right now is that I bought a bunch on, not that this is a problem per se, but I've got about 12 pounds of pre-cooked ground beef. I've got eight pounds of pre-cooked ground chicken. I've got six pounds of pre-cooked stewing beef. I have a tray of Becky's homemade chili in there freezing right now. The cheese sausage is freezing at the moment. So I've got this great big backlog of stuff all ready to go into the freeze dryer and I just need to be patient. So there, <laughs> that that's kind of the fun part is having all this stuff done ahead of time and then just running them through as time goes on. And I see Martinson family in here. Great to have another fellow Canuck. And uh, Oak Garden says, make sure you rinse the sausage to get the fats off. I will do that. And Yozik says, um, I have 20 pounds of sliced strawberries ready to start tomorrow. Strawberries and raspberries were some of the easiest ones that I've done so far. On a couple of the batches that I've done that I've done the math, it's coming out, including at least the electricity cost, about half of what it would cost to buy the stuff from Amazon or Mountain House, that sort of thing. So I'm impressed. And I look at it as putting money in the bank as well. So you, you're freeze drying all this stuff. You're purchasing it now at 2023's prices. And who knows what kind of inflation we'll have, but we'll have some inflation. So as time goes on, hopefully it will be, uh, you know, money in the food bank. Let's put it that way. Uh, now, here's the next thing I wanted to say. If you type in freeze drying, into YouTube, there is a metric shit ton of freeze drying content. The problem is, and maybe I'm missing it, there's not a shit ton of good quality freeze drying content out there. You have to, for instance, when I put in freeze drying heavy cream, I found about two quality videos. The rest were how to reconstitute it. They were all just a bunch of junk. So you need, and this is the way YouTube is in general. But honestly, there is, again, a metric shit ton of content out there, but not a lot of good quality content on freeze drying. And if you guys have suggestions, share them. But I do have one I'm going to share with you when we're done here. So there's that. Now, 
Something else, if you're looking at getting a freeze dryer now, they now come with the premium pump, not the oilless pump, but the premium pump, which is so much better. I, I want to say that's probably the best thing they've done for newbies to make things just tickety-boo because they'll, they now say you can go 20 to 40 times before you have to filter your oil. And if you don't know what that means, it's okay. You don't need to right now. But when I heard kind of maybe not the troubles, but the amount of times that Nicole had to filter her oil, I thought, man, this is going to be a lot of work. So it really seems like that premium pump that doesn't require you to filter your oil or change it very often is a really good middle ground between spending an extra $1,500 on an oil-free pump. So there's that. Yes. <laughs> Yozik said retired at 40. That's actually the channel I'm going to recommend here in just a few minutes. I think as the weeks go on, I've been collecting up some really good content creators that I've been enjoying lately. So maybe once a week, once every couple of weeks, I'm going to share with you guys some of the, some of my thoughts, uh, or I guess maybe my favorite content creators that aren't necessarily in our community, but are like-minded folk. All right. So the premium pump, I love the premium pump. I've been really blown away by that. Something else I learned that maybe you guys already knew, but you can freeze dry raw meat as well. I guess I probably knew that, didn't realize it. So if you're thinking about freeze drying at some point, definitely check it out. You can do that. I have been freeze drying everything cooked because I just want to reconstitute it and kind of warm it up in whatever we're cooking and eat it. But yeah, you can totally freeze dry raw meat as well. Just make sure you cook it afterwards. Something else, of course, everything goes into Mylar bags. Stupid thing I've done almost every time so far, label your damn bags before you seal them up. And it just makes, yes, Garden Girl says, make sure you label it well. Everything's down under this cupboard here. I can't grab it in the dark to show you, but I will bring it on another episode. But if it's raw, label it raw. If it's cooked, label it cooked. Put a date on it, put the name on it, but label it all before you fill the bag because you'll get a much better label. Just, just something stupid that I hadn't been doing. So throw it there. Something else I've realized already pretty quickly, when you're freeze drying, use similar sized foods. So, you know, if you're going to do one inch cubes of stewing beef, try to stick to all kinds of things that are about that size. Because if you do, and I mean, you can open and close it a bunch of times if you want, but if you're going to do ground beef and stewing beef, the difference in time it's going to take for one to the other to freeze dry is going to be immense. So for me, I like to have everything kind of finish and start and finish at the same time. So I kind of hate having wasted space you know, one or two trays, I've already pulled the say ground beef out or the other day it went this way with berries. I pulled the raspberries and strawberries out, but pineapple had to go for like another day. So I would rather have the entire thing running full tilt the whole time. Yozik freeze dries chicken chunks and liver chunks for dog treats. I ordered 50 pounds of liver from my local butcher shop waiting to get it, but I'm quite kind of excited about making it for the dogs because they love anything I've freeze dried so far. I've done strips of pork for kind of like stir fries, done stewing beef, done ground beef, and they have, of course, devoured any of it that I've given them. And one other kind of tip that I found so far, it just seems to have worked good for me. They recommend, some people say you can get away without defrosting after each load. I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm it's overkill, but I've 
defrost it after every load because the one that I didn't defrost from, it seemed to take, I don't know, it just seemed to act funny afterwards. Like it didn't want to pull the moisture out quite as fast. I don't know, but I've been running the defrost mode after each one. Yozik, you can chime in or Garden Girl if you want. But yeah, I run the defrost afterwards, let it kind of dry out and then start from scratch. So let me share with you guys. Oh, let me bring this back up here. There we go. And so this is probably my favorite freeze drying channel I found so far. He goes by a couple of different names. I, I think he's, anyway, I don't know if he's had issues with branding or what, but it was retired at 40. Maybe it's his username or his YouTube channel or his uh, Facebook name. But on YouTube, it's now Live Life Simple. I love that branding. It's great. But what I like about this dude is he's right up my alley. So he went to <laughs> he went to Starbucks, McDonald's, Dunkin', Dunkin' Donuts, and something else. I can't remember what it was. Anyway, and he just took four cups of coffee, put them in, freeze-dried all of them. Oh, and one was homemade with um, non-dairy creamer and sugar in it. And he just freeze-dried them. And he, he's very meticulous about giving costs, time, energy. And I just love watching how he does this. So his, this has been, I, I keep coming back to him quite a bit for freeze drying stuff. It's a really good channel. And there was, there's one other guy, schoolhouse something. He, he's an older guy. His videos are like an hour long and he goes, he is basically like a walking spreadsheet, but I really appreciate the way his brain works. So there's that too. I'll share him another time. Yozik says 50-50 just depends on my time. Candy mode, I run them back to back all day. That makes sense. And Garden Girl says it's not good for the machine not to defrost unless I don't plan to use it for a while. Uh, then I'll just let it thaw on its own. That's good to know. So if anybody's looking, this guy right here, live life free. Seems uh, I've really enjoyed his stuff. I He's, I, I assume by his name, retired at 40. He must be an entrepreneur of some sort or another, but yeah, his stuff's really good. I enjoy it. He's got a hundred and where's 192,000 subscribers on YouTube. So he knows what he's doing and his content is just to the point. I enjoy it quite a bit. So if you're looking for one, there it is. All right. Where to next? Real quick. I want to talk about winter car preps as well. So this morning I wake up. And there's this white stuff on the ground that I don't recognize. And it's not dandruff. Uh, at least I don't think so. If it was, we're in trouble because I have no hair. But anyway, it was snow, of course. <laughs> and I had to take Charlotte out of town. And I realized there was a few things in the vehicle. I've, I've been pretty good about making sure the vehicle is ready for winter. I mean, we are long past when we should have had our first real snowfall. So it wasn't like I wasn't ready for it. But I mean, my truck has four-wheel drive. So I appreciate that. And I keep a good, aggressive all-weather tire on there all the time. So I'm happy with that. That was good. But um, I actually just changed over to winter washer fluid. And for those of you who don't live where it freezes, you're probably like, what the hell is that? Shouldn't it all, don't you just use the same shit all the time? Now we switch from the stuff that doesn't take bugs off in the summer to the stuff that doesn't defrost our windows in the winter. But yeah, um, <laughs> if you're too late around here, switching it out, or you don't use your washer fluid very often, you could very quickly run into a scenario where you wake up in the morning, go to hit the washer fluid, and your reservoir is frozen solid. I've actually done that on a couple of occasions, had to pull it into the garage, let the vehicle run for a couple hours to thaw it out, 
lucky I didn't split anything. But yeah, so for me, winter washer fluid, I've got that in the vehicle. Good tires. I've got those beautiful leather gloves that my brother-in-law got me from the Hutterites last year. They stay in the vehicle year round. They're really important. If you've got a, you know, you get stuck and you need to dig something out or you just need to walk somewhere for a little bit. This time of year, I do try to make sure I wear my boots when I'm traveling or throw them in the vehicle. I've got these 511 combat boots, I guess, with the side zip-ups that I've been wearing a ton lately. I love them. They seem to keep my feet fairly warm, and they help keep me up out of the moisture and dampness a little bit. So always try to make sure of that. Today, before we left, Charlotte was wearing her volleyball shorts, and I said, sweetheart, you got to make sure you have uh, pants on. And uh, she did. She was she was planning on getting them on anyway, but always make sure your kids are dressed for the ride because uh, for the drive, just in case. I mean, it gets really cold sometimes, but the last thing I'd want is for her being stuck on the side of the road wearing volleyball shorts. It wouldn't be good, but I'm going to brag a little bit and I don't know if she's listening to this or not, but a really proud dad moment. She was out in the kitchen the other day and she had had to pull her phone out of her case for some reason. And a rather large bill fell out from behind there. It wasn't quite a hundred, but it was pretty damn close. And I looked at her and I said, really? She said, yep. So she, she keeps money stashed away just for emergencies. And I was so damn proud. She said for her, it was quite often she'd be going to volleyball tournaments. She'd want to go get food at the canteen and they wouldn't take debit or, you know, uh, touchless pay or anything like that. So, and she said, no, I just listened to you, dad. And I made sure I always had cash on hand. I was like, man, what a smart 13 year old kid. Love it. And uh, Martinson says combat boots. Whoops. There, hang on. Combat boots are best in general, extreme cold, notwithstanding. Yeah. There's times when uh, that extreme cold gets really bad, but I, I do, I'm really enjoying the, these uh, boots for sure. And Yozik says, and now we know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was really proud of Chuck. She's a man. She's a good kid. Uh, so we got boots. Uh, make sure the kids are dressed for the drive. Something I didn't have in the vehicle was a scraper. The problem is I have this really nice heavy duty scraper. I bought at Costco last year. But it takes up so much damn room. And again, it's just like an everyday carry with a firearm. If it's too big or inconvenient and you don't carry it, it ain't going to work. So I need to get a smaller scraper that's going to fit in there. I also grabbed that fold up shovel that I got at Costco last year. It fits just under the seat. It's in there now. Make sure you got backup power for your phone. You know, those Batrix power cards are great for an emergency, but have a bigger power bank just in case. Uh, I now, I always keep my tow rope folded up down in the floorboards. I've got a couple of clevises, mainly because I usually end up having to tow somebody else out, but it could be for me as well. And on your very first trip of the year, in snow and Canadians will know what I'm talking about. Get your headspace right. Every year, that first snowfall when you're driving is all, it's not white knuckling, but you're always just a little more on edge than, you know, when it's like late March, early April, and you're in that last snowstorm of the year, you just kind of fly along and you're fine. But it's almost like after an entire, you know, six to eight months of nice weather, a person forgets what it's like to drive in the cold weather. So, uh, just get your headspace right. Just calm down. And tell yourself, Tim, you've done this for 25 years now. You're fine. And remind yourself that, you know. Uh, also, I do have a first aid kit in the in the truck, but I was I reminded myself today that I got all that 
um, first aid kits from Chuck. I need to move them over into some new EDC bags for my toolbox and for the truck itself. And I ordered something. I want to show you guys this. I ordered this the other day. Give me one second here. Anybody know what a wingman a wingman bag is? I've kind of fallen in love with some of this 511 gear. And uh, here it is. So this is something that police and different people use. So I was looking for something a little more robust for my long road trips because that last 38-day road trip, I wanted something that would keep everything kind of contained. So what this does, this sits next to you in the passenger seat or it can sit in the back seat as well. It folds up like this so you can carry it. But what I like is that top strap, I don't know if you got, yeah, you can see that. That top strap right there goes up over the headrest and there's a strap behind here that the seatbelt can go through so that if you happen to hit your uh, hit the brakes really fast, all your shit's not going to go tumbling. But what I like about it is I can use this as this may replace my other bag that I've been using to take in and out of hotels when I go. This is going to be able to hold more gear and I can just fold it up and carry it in kind of like a briefcase when I go into hotels. But it's going to give me kind of a mobile toolbox slash bag. And of course, it's got that little patch on the front where I can put a workshop patch like this one. But beyond that, I was just looking for a more, yes, like I said, the word is robust, a more organized, larger container for everything that I want to have while I'm on the road for four, five, six weeks at a time. And the last thing I wanted to talk about tonight, give me, I'm just going to close this guy out for you something I've never had in my vehicle. I've had pieces of it or little parts here and there. And after having Val on last week, every time I, I love talking to her, she always brings her a game with episodes. I hope you guys enjoyed that one as well, but it was something I've been working on putting together for the last little while is a get home bag. And you might say, well, Tim, don't you have that in your car? Well, kind of, but not really. I mean, I have stuff, and I've showed you guys what I keep in my vehicle for emergencies. And I have that little bag that has, you know, prescriptions and deodorant and that sort of thing. But I've never specifically put together an all-encompassing bag that I would have for road trips or, you know, heaven help if I ever had to walk a ways to get home. But I'm, you know, working on being able to walk long distances. But honestly, it's just a get-home bag so that if I have to leave my vehicle behind and travel with somebody else, I will have everything I need. And hopefully that's all I ever need it for. But the amount of time I spend on the road and the amount of time I spend away from my family, I sure as shit want to make sure I can get home if I ever need to. So I guess the first reason I'm walking absolutely every single night is to get my ass in shape, but also so I could always walk a long distance if I ever had to. So I was just going to share my list of what I'm putting in this get home bag. And it, you could call it whatever you want, but it's going to be a bag that goes with me. And, uh, you know, has a shoulder strap. I picked up one from 5.11 a little while ago. Um, and it, it, I picked up a small bag that I was going to use for going to events that would be a little bigger than my crossbody bag. And then I'm going to pick up, if I like it, I'm going to pick something up from John as well. Uh, SOE Tactical, or, sorry, Special Operations Equipment. Yozik, hey, right on, are working on their emergency binders this coming weekend. I love hearing that. This is the time of year to do it, guys. So this is the get home bag. This is what I'm going to put in there. And the very first item is actually something Yozik and I were talking about a little bit, but it was a multi-tool. Now, 
I don't have a good quality multi-tool. The best one I have right at the moment is this little DeWalt one, which wasn't great, but it's not bad. So I want to get a better one. And I've been looking at a few because Yozik had mentioned doing an order for a few multi-tools at some point that will be um, custom with lasering, etching, or um, that might not be the proper term, but basically it'll say something along the lines of, you know, workshop 2023 or 2024, and we'll do an order together. But either way, I've been eyeing up a few different multi-tools and I want to pick one or two up to do some testing, but I'm going to put that in there. So uh, that, a fixed blade knife, which uh, Yozik's testing tomorrow. Nice, right on. Um, I always have my neck knife with me, but I'd like to have a little longer fixed blade knife just for whatever it happens to be, you know, and um, a water bottle. So I looked at the Nalgene bottles, but I'd also looked at the little um, the little water filters. I'm trying to think of the, it, it's not a, oh shoot, I can't think of it right now. Anyway, it's the squeeze one and it fits right on top of the smart water bottles. So that might be a, a better option for that. So water filter, some water tablets, some freeze dried food. I, I'd thought about that. And so this was something that I'm gonna put in there as well, just some protein and that sort of thing so that I have something, maybe some energy bars. A flashlight, I've got uh, a rechargeable coast flashlight, which uh, you can also, can also take AAA batteries in a pinch if it needs to. So I pulled as much of this stuff together as, thank you, Sawyer Mini. I don't know where my brain is tonight, Garden Girl. I appreciate that. That's the exact one. I've actually ordered one of those, so I have one because I, I have some life straws and I like them, but the Sawyer Mini for this bag will actually be a little bit better. And I'll do an audit of all this. And it, it's something I wanted to learn myself because it's not a process I've put together before. So I'm not just buying a bunch of gear. I'm also going to learn a few skills along the way as well, because what do we say, you know, the skills before supplies, but some of these supplies I need to have in order to learn the skills. So I'm kind of excited. I got, got some water tablets. I did a ton of reading on a few different ones. Uh, like I said, freeze dried food, the flashlight. I've got a really nice uh, garden girl has the, uh, um, the Sawyer water bottle and it's great. And Yozik has the squeeze. It's pretty good too. Yeah. I'm looking forward to testing it out. We'll give it some, you guys will get some content out of this. You can make fun of me as I learn some of this stuff. So anyway, the Coast flashlight, I love. It's a little on the heavy side, but it's still small and it's USB-C rechargeable, which comes in handy here in a minute. I've got a couple of headlamps. I ordered a couple of more ultra light headlamps to do some testing on, both of which are gonna be USB-C rechargeable. Again, a good thing. Regular old Bic lighter, I love that. That's one of my favorites um, and, the, and they work. I also ordered a new, uh, ferro rod. I've got a couple other ones, but this was a, um, it's got a wood handle. It was fairly light and well-recommended. So it's time to get back into practice with that. I cut off 50 feet of my paracord from the roll I have in bulk out in the garage, rolled that up, put that in the bag for now. I've got my first aid kit in there. I've got a couple of um, emergency, they call them the space blankets. I've got, I ordered some, I ordered two or three different types of fire starters as well. I'm going to test those out guys. So you can, uh, these ones, they almost look like little pills and you pull them apart and they have some fuzz and they look like they're supposed to burn five to seven minutes. So we'll try that. And then the rest of the stuff is just regular old normal things. You know, stuff I already have in the, in the truck anyway, but it's going to move into this bag, but we got, you know, TP, soap, floss, toothbrush, toothpaste, insect repellent, uh, spork, which I already have in there as well, underwear, socks, 
Oh, a little stove. I've been looking at um, a couple of different little collapsible stoves. So we'll see which one I end up with on that one. I've got some of the electrolyte water flavoring thing. I love these. I don't know if you guys use these. Maybe you don't, but these right here, I had to order them from the US, but I put them in my uh, water bottles for when I'm walking quite often anyway. But it's the Gatorade Propel ones. They're full of electrolytes and they're really tasty. Some of the, uh, oh, Yozik says dryer lint in wax. Yeah, I can make a hell of a fire starter kit in an Eltoids mint tin. I bet you can. And I'm going to pick your brain on a few of those things, brother. I appreciate that. I had my eye on this caffeine gum for a while, so I'm going to get some and test it out. I can't. That There's some you can get here, but the good stuff you can't. That's why I have an American post office box, right? Uh, bivy sack, water flavoring, like I said. Oh, and I've got a couple of different roll-up solar panels, the little 20-watt solar panels. And I'm going to give them a shot. We'll test a couple of them out, but something I can hang off the bag for charging that kind of stuff. And then a little battery pack. And I'm sure I'm going to forget some things. I'm going to put it all together, but I'm going to put it out there so you guys can see it. And you, we can do the workshop hive mind as we look at things and figure out what I can improve and what I can learn from. Garden Girl says liquid IV is good as well. Interesting. So that's kind of where I'm just getting started. Uh, I have the bag and I've put a few things together of what I had. I've ordered some things. The Black Friday specials were really helpful on that, but I'm excited. Again, it's time to learn some new skills. And uh, like, like I say, when any of this stuff, uh, whenever I, there's one place I always go or when I go there, I always think of it, but the Calgary airport, they have a very, it's almost like a spiral staircase, but it's a um, parking lot. <laughs> so you go in and it's a very tight spiral driveway that you go up to go from level to level to level. And that's kind of what I look at with skills and prepping and that sort of thing is, you know, we go around and we learn something learn new, learn something new, learn something new. And then all of a sudden you've leveled up and then, oh, well, you know what? It's time to go back and view something again and try it again. And so level up again. And that's every time you go around one loop, it's like, hey, I've learned all these little skills and now I've leveled up and it's time to do that again. Dixon says Mountain Ops makes uh, great electrolytes. I will try that. Zip Fizz is a good water to kick up, uh, is a good water to kick up your water and give you a boost. I will check that. Yeah. And hand warmers. That's great to keep in your car this time of the year. And you know, that's something I don't keep in my vehicle and I'm going to. Thank you for the reminder, Garden Girl, because I have some here in the house because what do I tell people? Buy that kind of shit at the end of the season. The best time to buy hand warmers is in April when they're on for 10 cents at a time <laughs> or, you know, 10 cents on the dollar. Always love that. Yes. Great. Thank you, Garden Girl. And I do. I always have a ton of shit in my vehicle, a lot of gear. But what I realized was if I ever had to leave it really quick or if I, you know, heaven, heaven help, I had an accident and all I could grab was the bag. I would love to have everything in a central location with some extra gear in there. And, you know, there's never been a time that I haven't dipped into one of those things. Uh, as simple as needing to stick a deodorant or a pair of underwear or something like that. There's always things to grab out of, but I wanted to have it all in one get home bag. So yeah, I'm sure I'll make content on it and uh, you guys can improve it as we go along. So I can't believe we busted through this week in prepping, guys. I've enjoyed this. Garden Girl says uh, she has reusable ones I send with my kids to school, but toss away ones for emergencies. Oh, hand warmers. I was trying to think bags. What is it? Yeah, no, that's, that's good. I, yeah, and I always have lots of hand warmers on hand. So 
we use my when I first started in the oil patch 10 years ago ooh, 10 years ago in less than two months that's insane I didn't have any money to buy any boots so I brought my rubber boots that I used to go lobster fishing with with me and they were rated for like I don't know 32 degrees maybe maybe freezing would have been it and the first day I worked was minus 40 and I didn't want to tell anybody that I didn't have insulated boots because I didn't have the money to buy them. So I went to the, the uh, gas station and I bought hand warmers and I threw them down in the boots and they did less than nothing because those boots were, they, they might as well have been see-through. And so my feet froze for about four days until somebody noticed and they're like, you know, there's a boot allowance, right? And I, of course me being an ignorant maritime, I didn't even know what the hell a boot allowance was. And they said, just talk to the boss. They'll give you 200. They'll give you a credit. They write you down a piece of paper. You go to Mark's work warehouse and you pick up your boots and you're allowed to spend up to $200. So I still have those winter boots. I cherished them. They were the most expensive winter boots I ever owned at the time, but damn, they were big. I bought the biggest, heaviest, most badass boots you could ever find because I never wanted to have to wear them friggin' lobster and boots out in uh, minus 40 Alberta weather again. So there's that. <laughs> And, uh, oh, Chris Dixon says, keep three or four micro microfiber towels in there too. Even a horse bath can refresh the mind. You're right. And I will tell you, I bought some of those Cottonelle extra large shower wipes or body wipes this year. They're like the dude wipes. And they were great when I didn't have, when I was staying somewhere where I didn't have access to a shower. Now, there is a shower better? Yeah. But I want to tell you, when you your old ass rolls out of bed in a in a tent and you don't have access to a shower, you know, uh, a, cl a clean pair of Gitch socks, um, some of those wipes, you feel about eighty percent better for sure. So yes, that's a great idea, Chris. I and I will. I never. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought of that. Martinson says um, I've used steel-toed rubber boots with liners. Uh, liners would be good. Yeah, Yozik, we were talking about those at Nate and Aaron's, the dude wipes with witch hazel. I'm going to try those this year for prepper camp and stuff as well. But yeah, the Cottonelle ones I really liked. I ended up using some of them to clean up some spills in the truck and I don't have any left, but I was impressed with how well they worked. Just don't flush them. <laughs> Everybody always says, but they say flush them. Anyway, you know my pet peeve. Don't flush wipes because you're going to have a bad day if you do. Garden Girl says, when I know I'll be on the road for at least half an hour in the winter, I take a thermos with hot water or hot drink just in case I get stuck. It's a good idea too. Pretty rare I go on the road without a coffee with me, but uh, I didn't this morning. I got coffee when I got there, but yeah, I, I like that and probably should do that. Well, folks, if you've got any other thoughts to throw out there, I will definitely share them and we can uh, we can chat about um, Chris Dixon says, keep in mind, you can boil water in a stainless Nalgene bottle. I like that. And Martinson says, I would keep extra dry liners in the lunch sack, changing at coffee breaks due to sweating in the rubbers. Not bad. And I don't require like a ton of insulation on my feet or anything like that. But yeah, those rubbers with no liners, it was just, <laughs> those old, the, the feet were pretty chilly. I, I won't forget that anytime soon. That's for sure. But I wanted to remind you guys, so I haven't exactly figured out what Wednesday is going to be, but this week, the scheduling is a little different. And I already told you that. And that also means that I got to figure out what we're going to do for the book club, because I realized that I'm going to be away from Thursday till Sunday, because this is our yearly trip with the family. But what I do know for sure is Tuesday this week, we have Franklin Horton 
coming on, which I am beyond excited. I'm, I'm working, I have been working my way through the Mad Mix series right now, but I've already listened to the entire Boro World series, which I love the Boro World, World series. And the Locker Nine, that was a great series as well. So he's coming on. It's kind of cool. I don't want to give away too much, but uh, he used to work in the construction and handyman industry, and he's now self-employed as an author. So we got a lot to pick his brain on. I am, I'm really looking forward to that episode. And then Wednesday, I'm going to do another live. I believe it's going to be in the morning because again, in the evening, I had to take Charlotte to her last tryouts for volleyball. So uh, this is, it, it's been a cool time, guys. I love that I've built the life that Becky and I and the kids have built this incredible life that lets us do the stuff we want to do. And we have the flexibility involved in it. So like I said, we've got a Tuesday live this week coming up. That'll take the place of one episode. And then I'm going to do a Wednesday live, which will take the place, which was going to take the place of Thursday night's episode. So we got to, <laughs> I got to figure out what I'm going to do there guys, because that screws up the, uh, the book, the book club. So we may have to move the book club one more week because we're starting Atlas Shrugged. So I'm excited about that. And then Sunday evening, I'll be home in time to have Brad, better known as Five Times August. And if you don't know exactly who that is, I almost bet you've seen some of his videos. The animated videos where he uh, um, basically made fun of Justin Trudeau for the way he handled the trucker convoy. He did one about Bill Gates recently, and his most recent one is Ain't No Rock and Roll. And that I love that track. I think that's going to be a big hit for him for sure. And uh, Yozik says, we'll be here, whatever works out, Tim. And I, I yes, 100%. Yeah, I appreciate it. So, yeah. So we're going to move things around. I, I kind of was talking this out loud as I went here for the Thursday night episode. But anyway, like I said, so we got Franklin Horton. 4 p.m. Mountain Time Tuesday. It's gonna. It's a totally different time for everybody, but I hope you enjoy it. And then Wednesday morning, we'll do a live. Not exactly sure the exact time yet, so stay tuned on the Telegram group. I will let you know for sure. And then Sunday evening at our normal 6 p.m. Mountain Time. I hope people are starting to get used to it. It seems to be working. We seem to be getting a little bigger crowd in here, and people don't seem to be forgetting about the 6 p.m. start time, so I appreciate that. So with that, guys... I'm going to figure out whether I'm going to go out walking in the snow or I'm going to walk on the treadmill tonight. So there's that. I'll get these episodes lined up. And all oh, alone Canadian. I, I miss you, brother. He says not even getting into work in from work until 7 p.m. now kind of sucks, but I'll catch up with you, bud. I'll, we'll, we'll see each other soon, especially over the holidays. We'll have to get together and uh, have a hot drink or two. It'll be nice. I'd love to see you. So, yeah, uh, keep me. I'll keep you guys in the loop with the scheduling from here. If you guys have any questions or requests, send them my way. And I will see you Tuesday evening, Tuesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Mountain Time. It's going to be great. And I'm going to get that walk in. I am excited once again. So I'll have these episodes in the queue for you guys. You get two uh, coming up. You'll get Saturday's episode tomorrow if you're listening in the audio and you'll get tonight's episode on Tuesday. So as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week.